we are discussing a Gemara, very important Gemara. The Gemara is describing the most important fight battle that we have in our lives with our Yetzirah, with the Yetzirah. And the reason why it's so important, because other sources, we're not going to go through in detail, but other sources say that really what's important in life, the only thing that really matters is how successful are we at fighting our Yetzirah. If we're successful, then we get Olam Abba. We're successful in life. If we're not successful, if we fail, then we lose we lose Olam Abba and we suffer as a result. Now, the Gemara tells us a lot of different ways to fight with the Yitzhar. A lot, a lot of different tactics that we could use in our struggle. But there's one particular Gemara that doesn't talk about tactics to fight the Yitzhar. Instead, it's a way to vanquish and destroy and eviscerate and obliterate and get rid of the problem entirely. Chazal tell us that Avram, Yitzhak, Abram, Isaac, and Jacob, our forefathers, what they managed to do was not just to fight with the Yetzir but instead they would turn it into Yetzir Tov. We know we have a Yetzir Tov, a good inclination, a Yetzir bad inclination, and we're, we're caught in between, and we suffer because we have to fight, and we have different influences from each, each side. Avram, Yitzhak, Yitzhak, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, what they did is they managed to turn their erstwhile Yetzir into a Yetzir Tov as well. Thus, when they looked at their internal motivators, their influencers, they saw one Yetzir Tov that always was a Yetzir Tov and one Yetzir Tov that was a converted Yetzir Ra. Thus, if you imagine you have a, a battle with your enemy, if you could turn him into an asset, into an ally, it's, you don't have a problem. There's no struggle. There's no war. That's the gold standard. If you can find a way to take your enemy and turn him into an ally, and turn him into a friend, you don't have a problem of any warfare. Now the Gemara does tell us that there was one of the uh, one of the Tanaim. His name was Shimon ben Azai, and he was a great Torah sage, and he was a contemporary of Rabbi Akiva. And in fact, he was such a great scholar that he said, and Gemara says about him that he would say, and obviously if the Gemara repeats it, it's true, that there was no scholar in the world like him besides for Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva was the only peer that he had. And the Gemara says that he got married, but he got divorced. He wasn't interested in getting married. The problem is, is that Ben Azai himself, he taught, uh, the Gemara Yivama says, the Gemara is talking about how important it is to have children. You know, the first mitzvah is Puravu, to have children. So one opinion the Gemara says, if someone doesn't have children, it's as if they murdered someone. A second opinion of the Gemara, if someone doesn't have children, it's as if they diminished from God's presence. Comes along Ben Azai, and he says, if someone doesn't have children, it's as if they murdered, and they diminished God's presence. And they said to him, wait a minute, his students are like, wait a minute, Ben Azai, Rebbe, our teacher, you yourself are not married, you don't have any children. So how could you be the big talker to say that everyone should have children or else you're a murderer or else you diminish from the, from the, uh, from the image of God when you yourself don't, you don't practice what you preach? What can I do? My heart yearns only for Torah. What this means, and by the way, the Rambam in, in Hilchas Ishus, he says that everyone has to get married and have children. It's a mitzvah. Unless... Someone is so obsessed with Torah study, like Ben Azai, then the halacha is, you're not chayv, you're not chayv in that mitzvah. But this is an example where the Yetzirah is totally neutralized, it's not even a factor, because Torah had occupied such an intense part of his heart, he didn't desire anything besides for Torah, 
So even the good parts of the Yetzirah were also gone, and therefore all he had was Torah, and he had zero interest in having children or anything like that. That wasn't part of his, of his desires as well. So the Gemara says that there's four ways to defeat your Yetzirah to make it not a factor. The best way, of course, would be to make it into a Yetzir Tov. Also, David Amalek, the Gemara says, David Amalek, he killed his Yetzirah. He executed it. He murdered it. Now, if you have a dead Yetzirah within you, it's not a problem. It's obviously, it's not alive. It's not causing you to sin. But regardless, uh, these are two ways for someone to create that the Yetzirah is not a problem at all. Either you convert it into becoming Yetzir Tov, or you kill it and it's dead. Once it's dead, it's not a factor whatsoever. But the Gemara says that this, if these don't work, there's a next best approach, and that's someone to study Torah. And this is a very famous idea that if someone studies Torah, they are free of their Yetzirah. How does this work? So the Gemara gives us an imagery. Imagine you have a father who has a son, and the father takes the son and gives him a huge wound in his face or on his arm, or whatever. And it's a terrible wound. But the father says, you know what, I'll give you a bandage to cover the wound. And I'll, and I'll put ointment in the bandage, and that's guaranteeing that it won't get infected. But if you take off the bandage, it's going to start getting infected, and you'll have boils, and you'll suffer. That's what the Gemara says. So too, that's the mashal. That's the uh, analogy. Says the Gemara, the Almighty took the Jewish people and slapped us across the face, gave us a huge wound. And what's that wound? That's the Yetzirah. It's trying to get us to sin. We're, we're suffering. But the Almighty also put on top of it a bandage. And what's that? That's the Torah. The Torah is the bandage. The Torah is the antidote for the Yetzirah. If you have the Torah on top of the Yetzirah, you're fine. You're not going to get boils, not going to get infected. But if you take the bandage off, then you're going to suffer. You're going to get infected. That's what the Gemara says in Kedushin. What does this mean? If you looked at Avraham Avinu, you looked at Abraham, you were able to do a, surgery, a, a spiritual surgery in him. You would find he has a Yetzir Tov and another Yetzir Tov. It's all good. Whereas in this case, you still have the wound. You still have the Yetzir It's just covered over. It's still a factor in someone's life. It's just that currently it's fine. But if you remove the wound, it could, it could erupt. But it's still there. We, the Yetzirah is still active in some capacity, even when someone has Torah. It's not the best. The best would be if you don't have a Yetzirah at all. Here you still have a Yetzirah. It just, it's, it, it's under wraps. It's, it's, you know, you're managing it, so to speak, even though it's still there. So I want to first understand how it works that you manage it. And also, what's its role? Like, it's still there, but it's not causing you to suffer so much. So how does that work out? What's the balance there? So... There is a Gemara in Sota on page 21a. This Gemara is so critical that my grandfather, blessed memory, he said if anyone wants to be a Tamachacham, anyone wants to be a Torah scholar, they have to spend a lot of time trying to understand this Gemara. This is one of the critical Gemaras they try to understand. And it's, you'll see, we'll read the Gemara, we'll read part of the Gemara, that it's, it's a little bit of a confusing uh, idea. The Gemara is oriented around a Pasuk, a verse. The verse tells us, Ki ner mitzvah v'torah or. Ner is a candle. Mitzvah is a candle. And the Torah is light. That's what it says. If you want to know what's, what's a mitzvah, a mitzvah is a candle. Torah, well, that's light. 
And the Gemara is trying to understand what is this, what is this comparison? That we have a mitzvah as a candle, but the Torah is like the light of the sun almost. It's just total light. It's not a candle per se. It's just light everywhere. So the Gemara gives a whole bunch of analyses as to what the difference between a mitzvah and Torah is. But the Gemara tells us an analogy. A man was walking in the dark of night in the, in the, uh, in the desert. And a person is steered, if you're walking by yourself in the middle of the night, in the desert, there's a lot of bad things that could happen to you. You could fall into a pit, you don't see it. You could be, you could crash into a tree, you don't see it. You could be attacked by a bunch of bandits. You could be attacked by wild animals. There's a lot of dangers present. Now, if someone has a candle, if someone gets a torch, then there's a few things that they avoid, right? If someone is walking in the desert all the night, there's a whole list of dangers. But if you have a candle, you avoid some of the dangers. And what's that? You're no longer going to fall into a pit. You're not going to be caught up by the thorns. You're not going to trap yourself into a tree. But you're still fearful of a lot of other things. You're still fearful of bandits. You're still fearful of wild animals. And also, the worst part is you have no idea which way you're going. You don't know which way is north, south. You can't ask people direction. Everyone's, you're on your own. It's a really bad situation to be in. But at least once you have a candle, you have some measure of protection. However, once it's daybreak, once it's morning, then all the animals go back to their lairs and all the bandits go back to their places where they gather. They only operate at night. So we see progressively you're getting safer and safer, but it's still daytime and you're middle of nowhere. You don't know which way you're going. You still don't have your bearings. You don't know how to get to your destination. Once you reach a crossroads and it says, if you want to go to this place, go here, this place, go there, there's directions, there's, there's more information, then you're saved from everything. That's what the Gemara says. Now the mushal, so what's the, what's the analogy here? Someone, we're in life, this world is compared to darkness. The Gemara already tells us in, in, in Baba Bensiya that Olam this world is akin to lilacs. It's very similar to nighttime. At nighttime, there's a lot of different dangers that we're facing. Now, what these particular dangers are, Rashi tells us, it's Yasurim, there's suffering on one hand, there's uh, sin on the other hand, there's Yetzirah on the third hand, there's lack of clarity, which is a huge problem. All that is we're plopped into this world in the middle of the night. We have no, we have no help. They might say, you know what? I'm going to give you the tools to achieve clarity and to, to, to be able to avoid all your problems. Ner mitzvah v'torah, or a mitzvah is a candle. A mitzvah does provide a certain degree of illumination and thus more ease of navigation and a way to avoid some of your problems. But Torah, Torah, that's light. With Torah, you, 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 have, you avoid much more problems and comes along the intersection. We'll see what that is in a little bit. So let's try, let's try to build this from the bottom up. We have a problem. We have darkness. This dark, why, why is this world dark? Why is there lack of clarity? Why don't we know what we're doing? Why are there so many dangers? Why can we sin? The answer is because we have a Yetzirah. This is our fundamental foe in life. And the reason why it's so problematic is because it makes us confused. We don't know what's important, what's not important, 
what should be our priorities, what should be our values, what decisions we should make, what should be the purpose of our lives. The Yetzirah says, your body, trying to improve your body, that's the purpose of your life. Of course, what about your neshama, what about your soul? The Yetzirah tells you, this world, this world that you see today, that this world that we all know is not lasting, it's temporary, says the Yetzirah, that's, that's, that's the goal. But what about the fact that we're going to die, and the fact that every investment that we have in this world is going down to zero? What about that? Well, that's, that's part of the distortion. The Yetzirah is able to convince us to prioritize the temporary and deprioritize and neglect Olam Abba. Right, we have a body and a soul. We know for sure what's going to happen with our body. Our body is going to be put in the ground and be eaten by maggots. That we know for sure. Our soul lives forever. And yet, bizarrely, we are distorted. We have, we, we seem to neglect our permanent self and we embrace our temporary self. Either he says, don't do mitzvahs, or he says, do mitzvahs, but don't do them lishma. Do them for this reason, for that reason. Do a mitzvah, give charity, but make sure you tell everyone about it. Do kindness, but make sure you broadcast it on Facebook. Right? So there's a lot of ways the Yitzhak gets us to sin. But either way, like, this, the, the, this darkness and lack of clarity is a huge problem. And the man says, you know what? Here's a mitzvah. Right? Here's a candle. Interestingly, a candle is also used to describe a neshama. Ki, uh, ner Hashem nishmas adam. What's interesting is, is that a mitzvah is an act of a neshama. When, why do we behave? Why do we do anything? Why are we eating food? Because we have an agenda. It's called our body. Our body wants food. So there's this, whatever, everything that we do is motivated either by our body or by our soul. Now, we all love to tend to our body, but we unfortunately forget about our soul. We don't tend to its needs. It too has an agenda, but we forget about its agenda. We don't, we don't make it a priority in our lives. A mitzvah is an act of our neshama. If you wanted to know what, what are the current desires of my neshama, the Almighty says, you know what? The 613 things that your neshama needs. A mitzvah is an act that is natural for your soul, even though it may feel awkward to your body. Thus, in this world where we're in the darkness, we're not living with reality, we're doing things that are illogical, we're prioritizing our body, deprioritizing our soul, how do you ameliorate that? How do you fix that? Here's a candle. A candle provides a little bit of illumination, i.e. do some mitzvahs, and you'll avoid some of the problems. You'll start to prioritize your neshama and uh, at least, uh, hopefully gain at least parity, but at least make it a priority in your life. But but there's a also a qualitative difference between a candle and light. Says the Gemara, when someone has Torah, Torah is light entirely. Torah is daybreak. What happens when you have daybreak? Where's the night? Where's the night go? Where's the nighttime? You're, you're in the middle of the night, you're holding a candle, all you have is a flashlight amid the darkness. The darkness is still there. A mitzvah is a way to navigate the darkness. But you're still in the darkness. The darkness has not been neutralized at all. But once you have daybreak, where's, where's nighttime? Nighttime's gone. Now, importantly, nighttime can still come back. It's almost as if you have the wound, you covered it with the bandage, but the bandage is still there, right? Nighttime is still a, a factor, even if you hit daybreak. 
you hit daybreak, it's fine. Now you're not under the auspices of Yetzirah, but it may come back as well. But there's a, a, an essential difference between the impact of the light versus the impact of the candle. Torah is like the morning. When you have the Torah, the bandits that you were steered of, the Yetzirah, the sin, the dangerous animals that you're steered of, they only exist at nighttime. The Yetzirah's power only exists once you don't have Torah. Once you have Torah, says the Gemara, you're saved and you're shield, shielded from it. That's the model. The question is why? What about Torah? Uh, it creates this magic elixir against Yetzirah. So there's a famous Rambam. The Rambam says, the Rambam at the end of Hilchas Ishus, chapter 21, the Rambam says that there is no thought of Yetzirah, of evil inclination, only in a heart devoid of Torah. What this means is, in our hearts, we have the things that we contemplate, the things that we dwell upon. There's only room for one thing there. If it's Torah, there's no room for anything else. If, it's, if there's no Torah then automatically there's a void that will right away be filled with the Yetzirah. That's what the Rambam tells us. What this essentially means is that if you have Torah, it's a way to avoid nighttime. Why? Because there's no room for night during day. If it's daytime, there's no nighttime. It's not at all a possibility. It cannot be that you have day and night at the same time. It's not, it's not a possibility. If it's, if it's the middle of the day, if it's noon and the sun is shining bright, where is nighttime? I don't know, but it's not here. There's only room for one. You can either be day or night. It's not possible to have both. Says the Rambam. If your heart is full of Torah, there is no breeding grounds. There's no place for the Yetzirah to pitch its tent. It's not, it's not, it, the place has been taken up by something else, and therefore there's no room at all for the Yetzirah to gain a foothold. But what happens when we abandon the Torah? So we're essentially bringing back the darkness upon us. Right? We're, we're artificially shortening our day. We're pulling off the bandage. And what fills its void right away? Once you pull away the sun, you pull away the clarity, you pull away the Torah, and right away you have darkness. It automatically fills the void. Vacuum. It's a vacuum, exactly. Now, there is... So it's what this means is, is that the Torah is going to fill the place of the Yetzirah. You have the Yetzirah's fixed. It's nighttime. You usher in day, daytime, and then it's not nighttime anymore. Now, there's also an interesting use of terminology here. The Gemara says, Barasi Yetzirah, Barasi Torah Tavlin. I created the Yetzirah. I created the Torah as a Tavlin. Tavlin can mean one of two things. It can literally mean an antidote. It's almost like an antibiotics. You have a uh, spiritual illness. Here's your spiritual antibiotics. That's one way to understand it. But tavlin also can mean a spice. A spice. And the commentaries tell us that the way the Yetzirah, the way the Torah operates to neutralize the power of the Yetzirah is that it, it's like a spice. If you put a, if you have a soup, if you don't add any spices, it's just heated up water. But if you added, the, you add the spice, even though the substance is the same, but it's dramatically 
altered. Says, uh, says uh, my, my grandfather used to say this, there's a famous Zohar about this as well. The Yetzirah itself is still there. You haven't gotten rid of the Yetzirah. It's not like Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, you got rid of the Yetzirah. The Yetzirah is there, but you spiced it. The Torah is a spice for the Yetzirah because it's a redirection. The Yetzirah is a certain energy, a certain passion that normally is exclusive domain of sin. You throw in the spice of Torah, and suddenly you just shift it, you, you reorient it, you reframe it, and now it's passion for Torah study. The Zohar, famous Zohar, my grandfather would quote it. The Zohar says, if people, if people didn't have a Yitzhah, there would be no zest for Torah study. Ilav Yitzhah de Arayas, there would be no chedvas of the Shemaitza. There would be no joy and delight in Torah study. What this means is that the Yitzhah itself is a very powerful force. However, we choose where it's going to be unleashed. If we choose Torah, if we fill our heart with Torah, what we're doing is taking this raw, powerful emotion and bringing it to the base measures and exposing it and making something very powerful out of this energy. If we ignore Torah, we pull off the bandage, proverbial bandage, it, the same raw energy is there, but it's unspiced and it has very disastrous consequences. There's a famous Gemara that tells us, if this manuval, if this decrepit, horrible hobo of a person attacks you, grab him and pull him to the house of scholarship. That's what Gemara says. What it means, if the Yetzirah attacks you, grab him to bring him to go study Torah. And the problem with that is, suppose I told you that uh, you're in an alley and someone comes to attack you. You have, you're trapped, you have this horrible adversary who comes to attack you. What's your best response? You know what you do? You take a bat or your fist and you punch him in the nose and you run away. You call the cops. What the Gemara is describing here, you're attacked by this horrible influence, the Yetzirah. Drag him with you. Take him with you. It's almost as if you have the criminal and say, no, I need you, I need you. Come, come with me, come, I'm taking you home. No, you don't do that. Who takes a criminal home with him? You punch him and leave him bloody in, bloody in the street. What this Gemara is telling us is that no, the Yetzirah itself, that's a fixed entity, unless you get rid of it like Avram Yitzchak and Yaakov. What do you do with it? Channel it to the house of scholarship. Once it's there, then it's good. It's okay. It's not going to cause you any problems. Now to Zaki's point. The Gemara does say that this is not a perfect solution. If you actually want to get rid of the Yetzirah entirely, this won't do it. Like we said, the bandage is there, it's covering temporarily, but the potential of the Yetzirah is still dormant. It's still possible to be unearthed. Like we said, you have daybreak, nighttime can still come. And even during the daybreak, says the Gemara, there's still problems. And there's, a, there's an amazing Rashi here in the Gemara and Sota. Rashi says that if you have Torah, you can still be scared of the Yetzirah because the Yetzirah is going to try to get you to stop studying Torah. Once you have the protection from sin, now the Yetzirah says, okay, I'll try to get you, fight you that you should remove the protection. 
Because Torah is the protection. So now you're protected, but let's, let me fight to swipe away the shield and you won't be protected. And that's why when someone studies Torah, the Yetzirah doesn't get him to sin per se, it gets him to stop studying Torah. And that's why whenever someone is sitting in front of a Gemara, right away, everything that hits their heads, they remember what they need to do, and they start thinking about all these other things, and they build their mental cal- calculations, and every, everything suddenly is, is so important to take care of right now. Because the Yetzirah redirects all its efforts to, you know, stop studying Torah. Because it knows once it's, once it's, once you're studying Torah, you're handcuffed. She, it's handcuffed. So, so therefore, it redirects, it redoubles its effort to go attack your defense mechanism, even though it's no longer attacking you uh, straight up. Now, I, I, I heard an amazing idea uh, from an unnamed source. I don't know who it is, but I liked it so much, I'll have to repeat it uh, unattributed. And with this suggestion, what they're making over here is that there's really three different kinds of Yetzirah. There's one Yetzirah for food. You know, the Yetzirah, the, the Yetzirah tells us this is the world to live in. You gotta have a lot of good food, really delicious food. And, you know, don't just say, I'll, I'll eat matzah and I'll eat a little, you know, a little yogurt and that's enough for me. No, you have to have a five course meal. You have to have delicious food. That's one kind of Yetzirah. And what this essentially is, it's trying to deepen your nuances, so to speak, with Olam Hazel, with this world. When you like eat a succulent steak, it's like, it's not like, it's, it's like a sophisticated pleasure, right? It's, it's, you have to understand how to appreciate it. It's like a fine wine, right? The people, they're all, the wine snobs, the wine aficionados, and they're saying, like, you have to know how to really experience this kind of pleasure. It's really kind of getting into the nitty gritty of pleasure. So that's the way the Yetzirah fights you in one realm. Well, how do you fight back? So we have what's called learning Talmud, learning Torah, Be'iyun, where you learn very deeply and you try to analyze on a very fine level, so to speak. And it's almost exactly mirroring the way the Yetzirah wants to attack you. It wants to make you, it wants to convert you into a connoisseur of food and worldly pleasures, become a connoisseur of spiritual pleasures as well to try to get into the intricacies and the subtleties and the nuances of Torah, and that way you could counteract the subtleties and nuances and, and, uh, and various you know, uh, minutia of the pleasures of this world. That's one kind of, y- y- uh, one kind of Torah response to Yetzirah. There's another kind of Yetzirah for, for money. The Gemara tells us that the hallmark of this kind of Yetzirah is that if you have 100, you want 200. You have 200, you want 400. You never, you're never satisfied. You just want more and more and more. Well, that's, that's fought with studying what's called Bikius, which means to try to amass as much Torah as you possibly can. Every day you study two more pages of Talmud, two more pages of Talmud, never stop. Quantity versus quality. And someone says, well, you already studied two pages of Talmud. Why do you need to study more? No, I, two pages makes me want to study four. I study four, I want to study ten. I study ten, I want to study the whole, the whole book. I finish one book, let's move on to the next book. That's a response to that particular area of Yetzirah's attack. And lastly, there's a Yetzirah for procreation, for illicit activity. And the core root of that is man's innate desire to proliferate to create something new, to create a new entity that wasn't present prior. We have an arena of Torah that is called Chidushe Torah, which means Torah insights, Torah novel, novelay, 
novel ideas of Torah. When someone says, I'm going to create some Torah that was never said before, I'm going to, I'm going to make a formalization of Torah that's brand new. But that is a, there, there is a mode of intense learning that can result in that.